Welcome to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of Greyhound racing interviews, insights, and a whole lot more. With your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to Gone to the Dogs, episode five. I cannot believe we're on episode five already. It has absolutely whizzed by. And as always, I am joined by... It's me, Joe. Hello, everybody. Danny, you all right? I'm all right, yeah. I just can't believe we're one. I think number 87 in some chart somewhere, which I am buzzing that we're in the top 100. And there was a little green arrow that said that we'd gone up eight spaces. So, And it was towards the end of when we've released a a pod. You know, I mean, it was we obviously get more downloads and listens at the start and it was towards the end. However, we need to caveat that is the one below us was some sort of niche football podcast on Scarborough FC. So, you know, I'm not sure how to calculate the, the charts, but we'll take it. We're in there. People are listening. We also went over a thousand downloads. Um, Last week, I think it was, which is great. So thanks for everyone for the support. We've got five-star reviews, seven five-star reviews on, on Apple Podcasts now, you know, which wow. we're very grateful for. So, uh, yeah, and we're still here. Only five in, but we're still going. The big sponsors will be knocking on the door soon, Joe, if we're in the top 100 with our seven reviews. We are doing well. By the way, if you have enjoyed it, do like, subscribe and do all that jazz that everybody kind of bangs on about in podcasts, as you probably hear. Usually at the end, I'm sticking it at the beginning. <laughs> if you want to leave us a review, please do so as well, because every little helps. And I want to see more green triangles next to our chartable position. And people probably don't listen to the end anyway, so they've never heard you say anything like that. I mean, if we have Ryan Keneally on, then I can understand it. But we've got Lofty <laughs> on today, so hopefully uh, people will stay to the end and hopefully he's got some uh, goods for us as well. Um, sorry, Ryan. Lot, a lot of betting activity this week, loads coming up, so uh, lots to talk about. I'm looking forward to that. And talking about the big races of last weekend, we had, of course, Kulavani Shadow delivering the goods in the Winter Derby. We know he's an aeroplane. We didn't know about the draw because he was obviously in the stripes, but he managed to avoid the little bits of trouble on the first turn and shown what the lad can do. Yeah, it was all about the draw in the end, to be honest, because as you said, he was in six. He avoided all the trouble that happened inside. He didn't trap very well again, mm. uh, but it didn't matter because the the bit of bedlam ahead of him meant he could swoop round the outside. He showed that back, you know, that back straight pace that he, that he can, and, and and he won. It wasn't a particularly you know jaw dropping time or anything like that. It it really was. I think the draw draw in six did help him out, but. Look, to win a high quality final like that is still takes some doing because mm. it was it was six cracking dogs. Um and uh, he, he's done the business and he's got his category one win at last. Finally, he's been threatening to do that for ages and he finally has got the job done. So kudos to Kulavani Shadow and Connections, of course. I'm excited to see where he goes next. I'm sure he'll probably go for a tilt at the Derby one would hope anyway in the next couple of months uh we've had some big news as well from both scotland and wales starting with scotland joe yeah we have as people may or may not know um there's a lot of anti-groups gray 2k trying to ban greyhound racing in in scotland and and wales and there's a really coordinated campaign to go after those two it's quite clever in a way because there's not actually any licensed GBGB tracks in either Scotland or Wales so mm-hmm. it's, it, it could be a, a possible easy win however there was good news coming out of Scotland today that they published their report and ultimately that there's not going to be a ban they did say that they would like you know a, a vet on the track and you know data to be recorded and things like this all these things go hand in hand with being a registered and licensed GBGB track mm-hmm. the only thing that they said was they don't want any new greyhound tracks to be built 
I mean, I don't think there was any plans to, to do that anyway. <laughs> no. um, I don't think anyone's going to be building any Greyhound venues any, anytime soon. You know, we, we should be grateful that Oxford's just reopened, but that was already there. And that was it, really. So so it's not the win that all the antis made out. You know, I think they were quite confident that, that something would happen. But ultimately, it's 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 all the same. They've got some sound bites from the report for their, you know, social media and things like that. But but there's no change. Nothing's Nothing's changing. The track's still going to run on unlicensed uh, racing. Um, it's it's a hobby. And the same goes with, with Wales at the moment. That mm. is slightly different in that the Valleys track there are looking to get a GBGB license and, and start racing in January 2024. So there is a little bit more at stake there. But at the moment, it is just hobbyists running their dogs. Now, you and I both just listened to the debate in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um it made me quite angry to be honest because there was a lot of nonsense that that was spoken by some of the MPs there that have either been fed misinformation or they're just sharing emotive anecdotes Um, you know things like owners of horses care about their horses but you know greyhound owners don't care about their dogs dogs absolutely baffled me you know and you just think really it's insulting yeah, it's, it's insulting, insulting to, owners to both and trainers. of us because we both, you know, have uh, stakes in greyhounds. And it's insulting to every other greyhound owner that I know, and I know a heck of a lot of them, that would prioritise the dog's health over their health. Yeah. You know, we spoke to David Titterson. He barely eats during the day because he's got so much to do with all the pups and everything else that he's like, oh, if it gets to four o'clock and I've not eaten anything, well, the dogs come first. You know, it's it's absolutely bonkers to think that there's some people that do think that it's just it's difficult to listen to isn't it though because it's Mm. just a a million miles away from from your your own shared experiences of the industry things that these people are saying um you know things like oh greyhounds are born to suffer you know saying things like that is just absolute nonsense Uh, um the, the good look the good thing is they're going to proceed with the consultation. That That's clear. But what that means, and the Minister for, for Rural Affairs of, of Wales said, this is going to be an evidence-based approach. Yeah. The consultation will be published at the end of 2023, and they're going to look at everything from licensing and regulating the track, which will bring all the welfare standards up to the standards of the GBGB tracks, which is what a lot of them are saying. You know, one minute they're saying we want welfare and the next minute they're saying we don't want it to be licensed, you know, but that will bring about the welfare. So it, that's really confusing, but you know, they're going to look at, look at licensing it through to a, to a phased ban. Um, hopefully some of the people that spoke in the debate won't be a part of that process uh, because mm. they don't know what they're talking about at all. Um, and, and we'll see. And, and the other thing, Danny, that I, that I said on social media before, and that is, you know, they, they were very clear about distancing themselves from a ban of horse racing because they know that that is a battle that they cannot win. And they're yeah. going after the low hanging fruit, in my opinion. Well, Everything that they say against greyhound racing about, you know, it's not risk free, there's injuries and fatalities and and things like that, that occurs in horse racing. So you can't say one thing about greyhound racing and then say everything's fine in horse racing where the fatality rate is actually higher than in greyhound racing. It's hypocritical and it does not make sense. No, and you're right. They are going for the low-hanging fruit. And what we need to say here on the Gone to the Dogs podcast is sign that petition, write to your MPs, and make sure that it's at the forefront of everybody's mind that the greyhound ban just cannot happen. A phased ban, an outright ban, whatever they want to do, cannot happen. We've both got, I think, pinned tweets at the top of our Twitter pages, uh, myself and Joe. I'm at Danny V. Jackson. Joe's at Totally Betting. 
go and find it, go and sign it, get your mum, your gran, your dad, your, your dog to sign it, everybody. If you've got an email address, sign the petition and let's really show them what the greyhound world can do. And if you live in Wales, do write to your MP. That is, that's really important and that's quite mm. impactful. You know, obviously it's important to sign the petition, but if you live in Wales, please write to your MP and speak out in favour of greyhound racing and your love for the sport and the animals. Yeah, because I think one of the MPs was saying she had 44 people, or certainly in the 40s, that had written to her in um, support of the ban. And she said, and I was quite heartened by the amount of people. And I'm thinking, I bet we've got more than 40 people that could write to an MP. So come on, people, <laughs> more than 40. We need those uh, letters, signatures and everything else. Please make sure you get behind our wonderful sport because, one, we can't climb up the podcast ladder if there is no greyhound racing. And two, it's just the sport that we love. I'm, I'm only tongue in cheek there. It is the sport <laughs> that we love. It is, you know, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know how much this sport means to everybody. You know how much the, the greyhounds above all mean to everybody that's involved with the sport so please get behind and sign that petition that everybody has been retweeting i think i've retweeted it about 20 odd times now i've done it but it is important again to just apathy it's got to the point where apathy isn't really acceptable we need to do something and be proactive about it because you know they keep they keep coming up with these polls that they've you know gray 2k an anti-greyhound racing organization has commissioned themselves it's commissioned by certain people they've they've interviewed a few hundred people and and obviously it's going to be a select few people that they've they've picked out mm. uh, and and then they use these stats against greyhound racing you know 64 percent of people in wales don't want ground racing or something it's just nonsense but but these are being quoted in the press and in the in the Senate earlier, they're actually using these figures as a justification to ban the sport and that public opinion is, is against it. So, you know, please do something if you can. It is really important. Yeah, sign the petition and get behind us. We have one more thing on the agenda when it comes to the news, and that is, of course, the pre-derby Greyhound sales. It is, yeah. It takes place uh, today on the 10th uh, of March. It's the pre-derby platinum sales. It's the, it's the big one that ground traders do um savannah bow who made the greyhound derby final last year mm-hmm. was sold at these sales i think it's only for dogs that have, have fallen inside certain times in ireland are, are allowed to come over and trial so i'm going to be there if you're listening to this before the sales come and say hello it's unlikely but um, i'm going to go and, and, and see if there's any stars of the future there um, and i'm looking forward to it i'm not <laughs> buying anything no i don't believe you I'm not allowed. I just, I just don't believe you. Yeah, but but they're going to look at you with those lovely soulful eyes and look staring into your soul. Please buy me. No. Do it. No. Do another one. No. <laughs> uh, no. No, I think um, I think Lauren might actually really put a foot yeah, She point. wouldn't be very lively, let's put it that way. I think you might be in the doghouse at that point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that's it for the news roundup for this week on Gone to the Dogs. And we've got a cracking interview lined up, of course, as well with Claire from Your Greyhound History. So let's see what Claire has to say about her fantastic project. Claire, welcome to Gone to the Dogs podcast. Delighted to have you with us. And 
we're going to dive into the questions. Where did your love of greyhounds start? Well, um, I can't actually remember a time when I haven't loved greyhounds. I remember watching them as a very small child on the television and being absolutely fascinated by these dogs that ran so incredibly fast. And I wanted to go and see them and my dad was up for taking me. But my mum put her foot down and said it wasn't a suitable place for a small child. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to go and watch them. But she later, when I, much, much later, many years later, when I asked her, she admitted that she had heard that sometimes they weren't very well treated. And as a small child, she hadn't wanted me to witness this. Bear in mind, this is going back to the 60s. So maybe she was right, but maybe she just, I don't know. But anyway, I never got to go and see them when I was a kid, but I've always loved them all my life. And I got my first one in 1981. Wow. Yeah. And you've just had them ever since? I just had them ever since. I just keep getting more and more and more of them. <laughs> Claire, when were you finally allowed or, or of your own free will, did you get down to the racetrack and actually go racing? Well, I'm from South Africa. I, I wasn't born in South Africa, but I lived in South Africa for a long time, 35 years. Now, greyhounds in South Africa at that point were relatively scarce and there is no racing in South Africa. So this one that I actually acquired in 1981 has an interesting story to him. I went to visit um, a friend of mine who was a horse dealer. And he said to me, come and look what I've got in the barn. You'll like this. And when we went in the barn, there was about 50 greyhounds in this barn, all eating their tea from ever so many troughs, you see. And I was like, oh, my God, where have these dogs all come from? Where are they going? Why are they here? And he had bought them. They were en route to Swaziland for the king of Swaziland at the time to race because greyhound racing is legal in Swaziland. And I fell in love with this fawn and white greyhound dog, you see, and, and I begged the guy, I said, please, can I buy that one? He said, I can't. It, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the king of Swaziland. I said, well, find him another one and give me that one. I'll give you 10 rand more than what you paid for him. And that 10 rand clinched the deal. That would have been probably the equivalent of 10 pounds, you know. And wow. I got this fawn and white greyhound and I took him home with me and he was my first greyhound. And everybody thought I was absolutely crazy for having this hunting dog as a house pet. They all said, well, you don't have a dog like that as a pet. It's it's a hunting dog. You keep it outside, you know. But he was my house pet. <laughs> and I hope the guy that sold it to you didn't fall foul of the king of Swaziland after giving away his dog and selling it uh, to you. I don't think so. It was one of many. And I think they found a substitute. <laughs> the king was quite happy with that. <laughs> You know, I did not know that they raced in Swaziland. That's something I've learned today. That is for sure. Um, yes. I mean, um, ground racing is not permitted in South Africa, although we did used to have informal racing, but more in the form of like just lure coursing um, across a flat field. Nothing like with betting or anything, you know, nothing formal. Mm. And um, it would have been very much frowned upon 
by any officials had there been any betting. Well, my next question was going to be, there's usually one greyhound who steals your heart early on. And I can see that it was probably the fawn and white uh, boy that you took home. Um, what was his name and, and how long did you have him and what was his character like? Well, I, I would say, yeah, he was a special one because he was my first one. He was called Vinti, which is short for Vintant, which is the Afrikaans word for greyhound. And it means wind dog because they run as fast as the wind. But then um, sometime later, when we relocated back to England, I was given a greyhound from a trainer from Pelor Grange, and his name was Watch Out. And he became a very, very special dog to me. He's gone now, but he's sadly missed. He was a therapy dog. Um, he was just absolutely special. It was the first time I visited kennels in England and I was very sort of mesmerised by actually seeing them. And I was actually too shy to ask how much a racing dog cost or how much the training fees cost. So I went away sort of longing to be part of this, but not, you know. Mm. Anyway, getting back to socks, I found out a little bit on the internet about his breeding and that. And I found out that he was descended from a very famous greyhound called Head Honcho. Of course, everyone's heard of Head Honcho. And I was quite mesmerised by that, you know. And that was sort of my introduction into the breeding. So, yeah, it was all very fascinating. Uh, and when you came back to the UK, Claire, did you did you start going racing? Or was it more sort of visiting the kennels and, and becoming interested in the breeding? Or, or did you go racing much? No, um, I still didn't. As I've just said to Danny, I was when when I went to adopt socks, I, I was too sort of shy to ask anything about the racing, really. Although I did see the dogs, but I thought it would be way out of my price range. And it was only a, quite a few la years later I started fostering dogs for one of the retired greyhound trusts, and they had race dogs. And I sort of asked them, you know, how much do they cost? And how much does it cost to keep one? And and it went from there, of course. They found <laughs> me a dog and that was it. You know, I was well and truly hooked. So who was your first racing greyhound then? So the first one I owned was a little um, blue brindle and white dog. She was called Auto Petal. Well, she is called Auto Petal because I've still got her. She's in oh. my front room right now. <laughs> and um, she was bought for the huge sum of £350. Brought over from Ireland. And she raced at Pelor Grange. And she had 15 wins. And oh. it was wildly exciting for me, you know. And, and it just proves that these dogs can belong to anyone. You don't have to be super rich to own a dog and to have it in training. She was a grader. I think she got up to A5. It doesn't matter in the least to me. It was just <laughs> as exciting as having a derby winner. And that's the thing, isn't it? I know that my dogs, um, they would be termed bang average, really. But I don't care because every time they win, it is just that thrill that you get that they've crossed the winning line in front. I don't know. It, it just it is the thrill. I, I couldn't care if they yeah, won an yeah. A11 or like you say, the derby. It's just that thrill. And that's Absolutely. what hooks you in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. 
and, and it's an accessible sport, isn't it? Greyhound racing. Once you get into it, you can spend, you know, very little on a dog and have the same enjoyment at, at any level. But you can, you know, you can spend tens of thousands on a dog, can't you? But I think when you compare it to horse racing or, or other things, it's just something that anyone can get involved with and enjoy. Yes. Well, this was the surprise to me because I had always been involved with horses. So I, I had an idea in my head that greyhound racing would be wildly expensive, a bit like horse racing, but it isn't. It's a real sort of friendly family type of sport that everybody can get on board with and um, everybody can enjoy. And, and I wish more was done to promote it that way. And that's why it's fascinating to have um, people like yourselves on the podcast as well, Claire, because people don't know, they they might think it's a bit of an elitist kind of um, sport, especially the ownership side of things, because I think quite a lot of people think, you know, I can go racing for £20, whatever, I'll get a race card, I'll get pie and peas and I'll have a great time and put bets on. But I don't think that it is widely known how inexpensive it can be to own a greyhound. So thank you for promoting yes. it. <laughs> yeah, people people say to me, Oh gosh, you must be rich. You've got racing dogs. I say, No, I work overtime to pay for them, you know. But I, I we're not rich. Well, who's rich that owns greyhounds? None of us. <laughs> no, I hear you there. I definitely hear you there. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, with um looking through your greyhounds history, your your first greyhound that you had. I'm guessing that kind of sparked the interest maybe for the Your Greyhound History Facebook page. Well, going back to that first one that I owned, Socks, or Watch Out as, to give him his proper name, like I mentioned before, he, he traces back to the head honcho line. Mm. And I found this rather fascinating and I sort of researched the dogs that came from that bloodline and found that a lot of them had similar markings and characteristics and temperament and that and started a Facebook group called Head Honcho Descendants and we got people that um, we actually got somebody that had bred one of them I think we got um, was it top savings owner on the pay no top top honcho his breeder Barbara Pryor actually joined the group and posted photos of him and that and it was rather exciting and everybody loved it and then people started asking you know how is my dog related and how does it work and that and we found it all out for I found it all out for them and then people started to say well this is fantastic I wish I could do this for my dog who isn't from that bloodline and that started me thinking there are people that want to know this and I spoke to, at that point, consulted with Elaine and Viv, who both said it's, you know, something that the average person who adopts a greyhound has no idea about greyhound data, you know, where to find the pedigree, who to ask, and even how to understand any of it, or the race cards or the race form or any of that. And so we decided between the three of us to start a new group and we called it Your Greyhound's History. And, well, we just had no idea it was going to take off quite the way it did. We sort of thought, well, we might get one or two months, you know, and well, we'll give it a try. And if it, <laughs> if it doesn't take off, we'll just close it down. It doesn't matter. Maybe no one will be interested. <laughs> and it sort of just took off and went a bit crazy and the rest's history. 
It really is a fantastic group. So if anyone hasn't seen it or isn't a member, I implore you to join because it, it, it's brilliant. And Claire, tell us how many members have you got now? Well, I checked this morning and according to my Facebook page, it said we've got 16.8 thousand members. Wow. So going on for 17K now, yeah. And I mean, we were we were quite excited when we got to the the first thousand, and we thought, <laughs> well, you know, and then we we were saying, well, we never get to ten thousand, and we did. <laughs> it just keeps on growing. We just add new members every single day. So yeah, it's uh, very exciting that. And approximately how many of you know the greyhound histories have you shared with their new families? Could you put a ballpark kind of number on that? Well, this is a problem for us because we never thought it would be so successful. We never kept a record of how many we've done. And we constantly ask this and we have no idea. All, all any of us can say is thousands, absolutely wow. thousands. I mean, with nearly 17,000 members, if we've only done half that many histories, it's still a massive amount. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's more than half of them and some of them have multiple dogs and we've done them and you know it's all sorts of stuff <laughs> I love following it myself and, and following the stories but are there any particular ones that stand out to you since the the group's been launched well as the three of us uh, myself Viv and Elaine we have all got two particular favorites now the first one would be there was a little black dog called Lyra and her owner had got her from the pound in Ireland as a stray. And she was in a terrible state, really a terrible state. We did see the pictures and she was just skin and bone and covered in scabs and scars and everything. And yet the lady said she was still quite nice natured. And uh, where was she? You know, they had no history on her, nothing whatsoever. So they photographed the tattoos and we sent, uh, she sent them to us. And um, it was Viv that worked on this because Viv's our super detective, you know. <laughs> and um, she traced this dog and it was found to be an unnamed 2020 whelp that had been stolen from the breeder at four and a half months. Wow. Out of the puppy pens. And we actually got in contact with the breeder and he was absolutely ecstatic to hear that this dog had been found and he still had all her paperwork. And he'd searched around for her, but she'd never turned up and she'd been missing for 18 months. And then she was picked up as a stray and handed into this rehoming centre, the Almost Home Animal Rescue in Northern Ireland. Quite a well-bred little bitch by uh, J.T. Jerry, who's a son of Confident Rankin. And she turned out to have five siblings as well, this puppy. And one of them was in the group already. And so oh, she wow. be, they immediately had a relative for this little dog. And um, Viv put her onto Greyhound Data. So she's now no longer just a lost little stray dog. Everybody knows where she came from, what happened to her. A breeder got closure on it. He was over the moon that she's got such a lovely home. And it explained why she was in such poor condition. We, we don't know where she was for um, the first, you know, over that missing sort of 16 months. We don't really know where she was, what they were doing with her. 
trying to do lamping maybe or maybe try to breed with her. We, we don't know. Um, but she's safe now. So that was rather super. Oh, that's brought then, a tear to my eye as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did to all of us. It was just so, you know, I mean, it, it was quite hard sort of getting hold of the breeder, but we've got people who we know that we can say, do you know this guy? And they'll say, no, we don't, but I know someone who might. I'll ask him when we <laughs> next go racing. It sometimes takes a while, but we do get there in the end, you know, and it's all down to networking and just the the general helpfulness of all the Greyhound people, really. Everybody sort of rallies around and helps as much as they can. And then, um, as I said, we had two. So the other one is totally different, but equally heartwarming. There was a, an elderly gentleman in a care home. Now, a lady that was visiting, and this was during the COVID, um, when they were severely restricted with visits. So it was a very sort of difficult time for elderly people and indeed for all of us. Mm. But anyway, this um, lady whose name is Victoria, she visited this elderly gentleman on a day and she has greyhounds. So she'd mentioned them to him. And this old man just absolutely came alive when she talked about greyhounds. And it turns out he said he'd had greyhounds and his father had trained them. And he'd had two dogs that had won the Waterloo Cup, Genial Nobleman and another one called Grenade. And he wasn't sure on the dates, but it was um, quite a long time ago. And so Victoria contacted us on the group with this. I mean, we just thought, well, you know, really? Are we ever going to find out anything about something so long ago? And the whole group just took this story to heart and everybody was searching and finding things out and absolutely doing their utmost. And, of course, Liz Morton does the most fantastic research. She found out the one called Grenade, was actually called Hand Grenade. He <laughs> won the Waterloo Cup in 1936. <laughs> wow. And the other one, Genial Nobleman, he won the Waterloo Cup in 1933. <laughs> and so this was absolutely amazing. One member actually sourced two cigarette cards of these two famous greyhounds, purchased them and sent them on to us so that they could be forwarded to this elderly gentleman so victoria went then back to the home visited the man and we found out that he's called richard smith and he was born actually at kennels in pakenham and his dad and granddad denny and brian smith had trained these dogs and um all these waterloo cup winners and all the rest of it so victoria made him a beautiful folder with all the information in and the photographs and everything and she said it was the most rewarding thing just seeing the smile on this old man's face when she gave it to him incredible incredible yeah. stories brilliant yeah yeah but <clears throat> teared up slightly there to be honest with you <laughs> it does yeah. doesn't it it's made me fill up a bit even just talking about it yeah it's just it's just really nice. But this is the beauty of the group. It's not just individuals who have got retired greyhounds asking, you know, did they win a few races? It's a whole community getting together and it's linking up people with greyhounds, their stories, you know, litters, breeding and things like that, which is why it's just such a brilliant group. It is much, much more than um, 
just tracing a few histories for people. Yeah, I mean, we have managed to identify missing dogs, stolen dogs, a, a few few things like that. You know, I mean, um, you name it, we, we get asked all sorts of things and uh, we just do our best to try and help. And Viv, she absolutely loves a little mystery. That's why we call <laughs> her our detective in the group, you know, and she... <laughs> She just really gets stuck into it and she doesn't give up till she finds out. Sounds like another podcast to me, that. It <laughs> investigates. Yeah. <laughs> Doggy <yeah>. detective. <laughs> <laughs> she certainly is. Well, I'd listen to it. So. Yeah, to be fair, so would I. It'd be fascinating, to be fair. So um, maybe that's an idea you can have with you all your free time, Claire. Um, get the podcast sorted out as well for, for the Greyhound histories. I wish I had free time. <laughs> I know how you feel. Hiya, I'm Jade from Adachi Retired Greyhounds. We recently set up the Adachi Retired Greyhounds to coincide with our racing kennel. We are able to rehome greyhounds here directly from ourselves. That way we are able to have a little bit more of an easier understanding of the greyhounds. We are able to cat test the greyhounds as we have an on-living cat here who's brilliant with the dogs and that's really enabled us to be able to get um, cat-friendly greyhounds out to homes quicker. We also have two small children that um, are always, you know, in and out of the kennels, which means the greyhounds here at our kennels are always children friendly. And obviously those that aren't, we're able to quickly identify early on. If you want to know more about us, you can find us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Tadachi Retired Greyhounds. Alternatively, you can contact me on 077-88-439-776 or email us at adachikennels at outlook.com. Many thanks. owners actually need to do or anybody actually what do they need to do to find out about a particular greyhound history is it join the facebook group do they reach out to you how does it how does it work so you need to just join the facebook group make a post in the group we do need that well we need a couple of photos of the dog we like to know the name of the center they've rehomed the dog from or where they got the dog from we like to well if they know it's correct racing name that of course then makes it all easy but if not we need photographs of their tattoos it's no good just saying what you think they are because people generally tend to read them incorrectly so photos of the tattoos and and that's it then microchip number if possible and uh, we take it from there how long does it usually take to, to for you to get back to them because you're all busy ladies well couple of days usually because we might have to email the stud book um sometimes not sometimes we can f- figure it out without that um and it's generally just a case of how long the list is 
and how much time is available. Elaine and myself, we both work full time. Viv is retired, so she has a little more time. Well, she thought she was retired till this started. <laughs> I think she's busier now than she's ever been. <laughs> but yeah, um, we try and work through them as quickly as possible. It just depends on how long the list is, but a couple of days is usually tops. Fantastic Brilliant. The turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely fabulous. Great. And then, Claire, you've mentioned Autopetal, who's uh, lurking around your house at the moment. But have you got any other hounds at the moment, either in training or, or at home? So, well, I've got five at home because I have this um, habit of keeping everyone that retires. <laughs> so I've collected five. Um, one of them is the dog that Viv and Elaine and myself bought um, as a syndicate, and we called him making history oh very nice yes and uh yeah we bought him as a quite a small puppy and watched him grow up and everything and sadly he broke his hock in his third race oh no and uh, we were all absolutely devastated um it was you know just one of those awful things um he didn't even have a collision or anything his leg just snapped for no reason that we know of Anyway, fortunately, due to the wonderful injury scheme at Sunderland, he was whisked straight off to Nottingham, operated on, and he's in the front lounge now, lying there looking at me. In fact, if I turn it around, can you see him? Oh, Hello, yeah. making history. Oh, he's, he's got one ear up. He's got one he's ear. Listening. Definitely listening. <laughs> that's the boy, yeah. So that's our, our one that we sort of caught on... Um, well, he's retired with me now, um, and I've got four others as well. Now, I've got two others that are racing that I caught on with Elaine um, that she's sent up to Sunderland, so um, I'm very fortunate that she's allowed me to have a share in them. One of them's called Skip Along Ranger, because Skip Along is Elaine's prefix, and the other one is a lovely fawn dog. He just came up a couple of months ago. And he's called Skip Along Paddy, named after Elaine Staffy that she sadly lost last year. Oh, so you just, yeah, you just have so many of them <laughs> around you. I don't know how you cope with five in your living room <laughs> or around. I know, we don't have a very big house either. <laughs> it's just wall-to-wall <laughs> -wall, wall -wall greyhounds. Um, yeah, they're just lovely. Now, we've mentioned Viv and Elaine quite a few times through the podcast. For those who don't know, who are Viv and Elaine and how have you all come together to make this your Greyhound history? Well, we had never actually met in the flesh until after your Greyhound's history. We were just online friends that sort of got chatting about the fact that people had asked trace about tracing histories and that and we sort of said we would do it and then of course working so closely we actually became quite close friends and we have met up now obviously and um, I see Elaine more than Viv because she's a little bit closer to me um, and of course because we share the dogs mm -hmm. and last year we were all nominated well we all were invited down to um, the GBGB awards so we had a lovely evening together there at the awards ceremony. But, uh, yeah, we've just all become really close friends and we work very nicely together. 
I saw the pictures from the GVGV Awards last year, and you were all looking glam and uh, a well-deserved night night out. Was it? Was it a good evening? Oh yeah, it was really nice, really special. Yeah, we loved every minute of it. Very nice. They are always good nights. Joe's not been to one yet, so uh, he's he's missed out. Um, but you do need to go to one of the GBGB Awards, Joe. They're good fun. Yeah, they're great. It was really <laughs> great, yeah. Claire, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, on welfare and greyhound racing and, and where you think we're at now and, and if there's any improvements you think we could make. Well, I think, you know, I haven't, as you, re- as you know, been involved in uh, greyhound racing for a terrible amount of time. But I can see the improvements that have been made. I mean, it's fantastic the steps that have been taken. Um, it's, it is improving all the time. I think Mark Bird is absolutely on top of welfare. He's, I know he's constantly looking at ways of improving it. I know people like to knock the GBGB and at times they annoy me too. But <laughs> um, I can't fault him on his commitment to welfare. And Mark himself will say, and I agree with him, we cannot afford to be complacent. Yes, we've made huge improvements, but it's something that you've constantly got to be striving for bigger improvements. I think the injury scheme has been a massive improvement. It's certainly reduced in fact done away with dogs being put to sleep at the trackside for treatable injuries which is fantastic i mean i've got the one in my lounge now that's proof of that mm-hmm. he was on sunderland's injury scheme his operation he was whisked down to a specialist vet in nottingham i probably couldn't have afforded to pay for that out of my own pocket so i'm grateful to the injury scheme Uh, The bond scheme is another thing that's really great. I love it. It's expensive for owners, yes, but it's a necessary thing. In terms of where I'd like to see us going, um, I think we need more rehoming centres. It's hard to say for sure. I mean, greyhounds aren't getting rehomed as much as we'd like at the moment, but that isn't down to anything other than the financial time that we find ourselves in and I think it will improve as the um, economic situation eases. We do need to do a lot more to promote greyhounds as pets and to educate the public about them and what fantastic pets they make and this is where I think the aunties have done the breed such a massive disservice Mm. because they've portrayed them as some poor pitiful soft little loving fluffy couch potato type of a creature which they're not they are huge great big strong strapping proud athletic dogs that like to chase things they're not objects to be pitied whatsoever people need to realize that they're not rehoming a dog because they need to be sorry for it they should be rehoming a dog because they love them and admire them and can fully comprehend what they do and the thrill of the chase for these dogs. And they need to embrace that. And and I always say, if if you don't embrace his past, you don't belong in his future. But I'm digressing now. That's not to do with welfare. So, yeah, we, we need to have more education done 
for people on greyhounds and more involvement. I would like to see dogs, more dogs at the racetracks, meeting the children, meeting people. I realise that's possibly not always possible, maybe in terms of insurance, but I, for instance, three of mine are therapy dogs, so they are insured to meet the general public. And this is possibly something that could be looked at. Get the dogs out there, get people meeting them, seeing what they're all about, learning about them and hopefully wanting to take them home. So, yeah, that, that's about where I'd like to be. And just for us to continue striving towards the best possible care and every other thing that they need. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I don't think I could add anything more to that, Joe. to be fair. No, no. Well said. Well said. So, Claire, we've already heard how great the community is, not just in greyhound racing, but specifically in your greyhound history. But is there anything more that that people can do in the group to help out or pull together in any way? Well, they've all been fantastic. You know, we get such great help from so many people. I mean, Liz Mort helps us. Um, We've had such fantastic sponsorship from um, people for competitions, Paul Quilty from Reality Kennels, um, the Starshine Collar and Lead people and various others. But what we'd really like is if owners and breeders could update Greyhound data, add racing photos, once you know obviously they can't until the dogs start racing but when it's possible to do so add a couple of photos of the dog racing add a couple of puppy photos the owners love seeing puppy photos add their emails so that they can be contacted that way they would know where their dogs are and the people could get in touch and of course join the group that's what we really need all the owners and breeders and everyone to do, join the group. I do know a lot of them are on there and they're constantly watching. um, And sometimes we get inboxes. Have you heard anything about this dog? I gave it, sent him for rehoming and I'm desperate to know where he's gone, you know. And of course, the rehoming centres can't give out this information because of data protection. Mm -hmm. So they live in hope of seeing these dogs on our group. It's not just people looking to know, you know, what what their new greyhound has done on the track. It's, it's, as you say, Uh owners and trainers knowing what their dog's doing in later life. I know that one of my retireds, I still keep in touch, the only one that has retired with the with the new family. And I love getting photos of her and finding out what she's been doing and going on on a day. It makes my day when I hear from them. It's absolutely lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's just really nice to know, you know, I mean, uh, these dogs are so well loved and the owners and the trainers and that miss them and really don't want to lose them when they go for rehoming but they're in the situation I'm in they've already got how many at home and can't keep them so it's nice to keep track of them and Claire we've got one question on social media for you and it's from Borowati I don't know if you know Wati but he's (laughs) (laughs) he he said has Yvonne banned you from taking bones on a Sunday for Ranger yet well yeah that was a thing Um, a Ranger being skip along Ranger that I co-own with Elaine I took bones for the dogs the other Sunday morning but Ranger shares his kennel with a bitch you see so he couldn't have it in his kennel so he had it outside in the day run 
and he wasn't happy about this and he sort of waved this bone around and generally was rather silly with it and then it started to rain so we couldn't leave him out in the rain with this bone but he wasn't parting with the bone either and he snarled at us all quite ferociously <laughs> and Yvonne was like well you put him in there you gave him the bone you get him out anyway she gave me this dish of meat and we sort of waved this dish of meat in front of him and distracted him from the bone and chucked the bone out and got the dog out and by then we were all wet through and he was wet through and he wanted this bone back and uh you know Burrowati was of course stood there watching all this and laughing his hat off And uh, the upshot of it was was that Yvonne said, "Please don't bring any more bones for the dogs on Sunday." <laughs> so you're banned from banned from bringing bones. Yeah, barred with the bones. Yes. Poor doggies. <laughs> I'm sure you can bring other treats. Oh well, I do. I mean, and and they all know that, of course. You know, when I go on a Sunday, if they, if they're out in the field with the kennel staff and they see me and they just think oh it's the lady that brings the treats and they, they nearly pull the kennel girls over <laughs> so you're notorious for uh, distracting the greyhounds from their work spoiling them yeah, <laughs> yeah. spoiling them you know um they've always said um yvonne at least always says they'll have weight variation after i've been there to visit <laughs> I'll need to look out for that in the uh, in the race cars. <laughs> oh, I know uh, Claire's been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is brilliant. Well, Claire, all your stories have been absolutely fantastic. We'll put the link to the Facebook group in the show notes as well. So hopefully we can boost uh, your numbers and hopefully find a few more greyhound histories and um, get owners and trainers involved and make sure that everybody knows where everybody's gone and, it's fantastic what you do so thank you um and thank Thank you for your time thank you very very much for having me thanks claire (laughs) thank you brilliant brilliant thank you hope you enjoyed the interview with Claire as much as myself and Joe did but we're on to the betting side of things now and I'm delighted to say that we have got Martin on the show aka Lofty. Lofty how are you doing? Yeah not so bad Danny not so bad uh, good to join you after missing out last week or the week before last so yeah finally, you finally got hold of me this time. It's all right they just had to listen to my horrendous tips so um, <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully you can give us some winners this weekend. First question comes from Joe, though, because Joe's got a fascinating question, I think. Well, I don't know about fascinating, Danny, <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk about the Golden Sprint at Romford in a minute. But I just wondered, does anyone know here, and if not any of the listeners, why it's called the Golden Sprint? Because obviously, naturally, I just think Sprint, two bends, but it's over four and it's at Romford. So, anyone know? No, half. Um, no, they got, I mean, they have. They have two bends at Romford, don't they? So that wouldn't yeah. be anything to do with that. Was it another track previously? I don't think it was, was it? It's always been at Romford, I think, as far as I know. It's always been their Cat 1, that and the that and the Champion Stakes have been their two big Cat 1s. Uh, no, I wouldn't know. Not like it's been from another track. It was like, you know, where there's a scurry, was it Slough or something like that? And then it went to Perry Bar, where it is now, which is a sprint when it was at Slough. It was a four-bend race. But yeah, I wouldn't know. That's a, that's a new one on me, Joe. So you've stumped me straight away there. No, does uh, Danny any idea? 
haven't the foggiest clue. I know it's obviously a short enough trip of 400 metres around Romford, so I know they get away with, I'm sure they do some sprints, don't they, at, at Crayford um, around their 380, but I haven't got a yeah. clue. Yeah, I don't have a they don't have a sprint at Crayford. It'd be carnage. The 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 two bends there, three <laughs> four. Their sprints are cool. Yeah, their sprints are three eighties, aren't they? And their standard is five forty. It's always a bit strange at Crayford, I find. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. So no, I don't know, Joe. So um, okay. Well, if, if anyone any... can enlighten me, that would be great. Yeah, tweet us. Let us know if you know, because all Wikipedia says is it was inaugurated in 1987. So there you go. <laughs> and Wikipedia is always right. Now, when it comes to the competition, the Golden Sprint, of course, we have got up to the semi-final stage at Romford on Friday night, tonight. So, who do you fancy for the first semi-final, Lofty? I'm a huge fan of Hawkfield Mere. If ever there was a dog just made for Romford, it, it's this bitch. You know, the, the sectional last week, that 354, I'm pretty sure that's the quickest split ever since they swapped sides at Romford, if anybody knows. Almost a bit like Joe there, putting another, another rhetorical question back at the people. But I don't think anyone's beat that 354 split last time. You know, the fact she's beat a pure out and out sprinter in, in Gugain Jet, who, you know, admittedly would probably take a bit of getting used to Romford. He's, I think he was um, he went on about a 12 or 13 unbeaten run. I think he got beat once at Towster and then went and, you know, another unbeaten run at Monmore. He's, he's, he's a serious sprinter and probably one of the best sprinters we've seen a pure two Ben sprinter. But no, Hawkfield Mirror Sage just looks completely. Romford bound and you know if that split last week she'll clear three and that should be good enough for me you know she gets this 400 pretty strongly around here as well and uh, yeah she looks a serious serious uh, tour around Romford which is a real specialist track we tend to find I find it very hard to be against her yeah and she even made time and recorded her best time as well last week so hopefully she can improve on that and if she puts that 354 split in again she is going to be tough to beat Joe did you have a differing opinion um, slightly. Look, Hawkfield Mia is, is superb and she's going to be very hard to beat here. You know, Gugain Jet on her inside. They're both quick dogs. They're both quick away. Slider McCoy in two does sometimes have a tendency to, to come into the middle a little bit, maybe after a few paces. So, you know, if he can get a good break and they maybe don't break normally, there could be a little bit of trouble. And I think Balliard uh, Shawnee is is interesting coming as a reserve in the heat. Um, got well backed, went off at, at four to one. Um, and I just think it might open up. I mean, the, the 23.77 calculated time, you know, was very, was very good. Was from, from track four last time as well in track one here. And, I, you know, I think is an, is an interesting runner in this. But this is a is a heat, you know, sorry, a semi-final that you wouldn't want to be drawn in. If your name came out in this, you'd be you'd be gutted. You've got the first, uh, second, fifth and sixth anti-post, you know, dogs left in it. So it's it's very hot. And I, but I... Valiard Sean is interesting. I have had a little bit each way as well at 28 to 1 because I do think he can qualify from, from this potentially, still improving. So I'll, I'll probably have a little bit on, on Balliard Shawnee because he'll be a prize. And I've had a little bit anti post as well at 28. Mm, so Trap One is Balliard Shawnee in the first semi final. Two Slider McCoy, three Gagain Jet, four Hawkfield Mia, five Anna Down King, and six Supernova. Second semi. At C's Trap 1, Droopy's Good, 2, Flick of a Coin, 3, Hawthorne Best, 4, Cool Boy Rusty, 5, Well Done Bacon, and 6, Highfield May. And I love a bit of Well Done Bacon. Got to be crispy for me. But also, I loved the way she ran last week. I think she's got the early to clear pretty much everything in this lineup. So she would certainly be the way I'd play it. What about you, Lofty? Yeah, I mean, say she was very impressive last week. I mean, don't forget, we've got Droopy's Good, who ran against the aforementioned pair of, of Gugain Jet and uh, 
fought for Rhea last week in trap one there. You know, she wasn't disgraced against him. She's got the rails here. Flick of a coin in trap two. There's a dog I quite like, actually, with Frank Gray adding rounds uh, round Toaster. Um, he's gone on to to, to Marion Westwood now and has, has run a couple of decent races. Dog I really like her, obviously, being at Oxford and seeing her racing there on a on a Friday night is cool boy Rusty. Uh, Dogger John Mullins, who made his debut actually at Oxford with a big, big reputation. He came from Ireland, so got beaten a maiden there first time out. Just clearly needed a run, I think, and the look around the track was very impressive in his second win at Oxford. Clock 27-10, which is shifting around there. Um, and did nothing wrong with for me in defeat last week. You know, he, he showed a 374 sectional, got beat by Ballyard Shawnee, who, who clocked a decent time as well. Nothing of that spate, uh, pace really inside in this time. And I thought he could probably maybe just get the run just inside. Well well done, Bacon, at the corner. And I thought it could be a smidgen of value here. He's about a 20 to 1 shot, I thought, anti-post. And I know he's uh, he's thought quite highly of this dog. And I say, I definitely think he could be a, a reasonable price in this race. So I'm with Weldon Bacon, lofty with cool boy Rusty. Joe? Yeah, this is one that I'd have to see the prices, to be honest with you, because between those two, I, I quite fancy them. I, you know, I'd imagine being a heat winner, well done, Bacon. Um, is going to is going to go our favourite, and therefore, you know, Cool Boy Rusty, you know, would hopefully be a little bit of value. Twenty three ninety nine last week was no mean feat, so I'd, I'd probably just go with the four. And then we have the third semi. Sees one Knowles Fleck, two Phoenix Puma, three Sinet Goofy, four Ale Blake, five My Vision, and six Early Night. And I just love, love, love all the Sinet boys, but particularly Sinet Goofy. Love this lad. Three seventy one split. You know, not a world beater last time, not a world beating time either. But he still won, and hopefully he will do the same again this week. So Sinet Goofy all day long and twice on Sunday or Friday for me. Lofty. Oh, we're with you there, Danny, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, I have to agree. Yeah, we'd have blown the cobwebs away last week. He hadn't run since uh, they took a few dogs over to Night of Stars, you seem to recall. And he was one of the dogs who, who went over there for the Winter Racing Festival, as they call it now, over at Shelbourne. You know, a few English dogs had a pop over there this year. And look, remember last year when he got the Derby, you know, the Derby, Derby semi-final. It was a dog, I thought, who wouldn't get anything like the 500-metre trip after turning up in the sprints. But he just found that maybe a shade too far toaster, but you know, he got it on the bunny like a lot of dogs do at toaster. Once they get on the bunny there at toaster, they can get that 500, you know, where it was a hard track to pass on the third and fourth end, as we all know. Yeah, blew the cobwebs away last week and say a dog I really like, got a touch of class about him as well. And I just think he might have a few too many guns for this lineup here, to be honest. And yeah, he's quite a strong selection for me and got the ping box from trap three as well. So hopefully, sign at Goofy can go on and score and sail through to the final. Joe, were you in agreement with us? Yeah, full house. Yeah, I can't can't see Sinek Goofy getting beat here. Only heat winner. Got a nice draw. Very, very difficult to oppose, to be honest with you. Um, so so very boring. But the, the interesting thing, unlike the winter derby, there's only five railers left in the semis here. It did seem to be favouring the outsides last week in the heats. Um, I don't know whether that's a, a running trend at Romford at the moment. Um, I did look at some of the results this week in some of the graded stuff and it, it didn't look as bad, but um, would that be a concern for either of you? I mean, we get biases, especially in the winter time. You know, when you get the, the soft ground, they get plenty of salt on the tracks and you get the cold mornings, you're always going to get a going bias where, wherever they are and very people try and work them out. But you'd have thought for a decent open racing, especially he's been in the middle of the car, they might have sorted out the bias by by that stage all being well anyway yeah I mean he's still got to qualify from from the semi of course but that was one of the reasons I thought Balliard Shawnee had a good chance not just in in the semi but if he if he qualifies he's, he's going to get a good draw as well so um, I think you know, that's why the, the 28th was appealing but we'll see really good really good comp yeah it'll be race five for the first semi-final of the golden sprint 
and then it'll be race eight for the first semi of the Coral Coronation Cup, which sees Trap One Droopies by a mile, two I Am the Magic, three Charms Greatest, four Drive on Lad, five Antigua Biggin, and six Antigua Sugar. I love Antigua Sugar. I mean, <laughs> she's just got so many ones next to her name. It's ridiculous. So she would be for me. She's going to be very short. I don't like putting up shorties, but I cannot see past Antigua Sugar on Friday night, Lofty. No, I mean, so she's very short. I think she's as short as seven or four for the whole competition outright. But she's been on the go for a long time now. You know, so the little break, she uh, remember running around Derby. I think she was bought out of one of their sales and she uh, ran in a sales race on, on Derby Farmer night for the dogs bought from those Greyhound Trader sales. And then you look at her run since, you know, basically since the start of Christmas, she ran in the uh, the, the first cat one. They had over six bends at Oxford and got beat in the final there. But then she's been on the go virtually ever since then, you know, obviously going around Crayford, winning the Peter Bussey and now coming on coming on to this. But this trip probably suits her. That Oxford 650 just about stretched her stamina to the limit. She got uh, picked up by Chelms Cub in the final there. And so she got caught by Chelms Cub as well in a, in one of the semi-finals. So I'll say that 650 Oxford. That takes an awful lot more getting than what people think it does for a, for a six-bend trip there. And yeah, this uh, 575 is bang up a street. It's actually very hard to oppose on last week's run, you know, and, and the form she's been showing around there with Mark Wallace with a strong hand with a three in this first semi-final. Two votes for Antigua Sugar. Joe? Yeah, it's very hard to oppose. I mean, what can you say? But again, this is this is semi-final one of the Coronation Cups, the one you don't want to be drawn in because this is this is very hot. I mean, I am the magic. It, you know, the Essex Vars winner, he did very well actually to get second to Antigua Sugar last time, stayed on really well after a pretty poor split. Chalm's greatest, you know, got a lot to find, but that was the first look at, at Romford. Um, never never trialled or raced there before, I don't think. So, you know, could, could improve for that. Four favourite for the competition, you know, Antigua Biggin is a good is is a good dog as well, but you know, Antigua Sugar six in a row going for seven. Yeah, can't can't really see past her. Can't see past Antigua Sugar for Mark Wallace. Uh, we've got the second semi-final that sees trap one, Bonjour Bullet, two Sweet Talker, three Droopy's latest, four Droopy's good time, five Doghouse Dazzler, and six PJs forever. I love Doghouse Dazzler. He's one of my boys. He's a tricky one for me because he doesn't always get out of the boxes particularly quickly for Nathan Hunt. But I thought his run last time behind Queen Pink, who he seems to bump into quite a bit, uh, I thought it was encouraging. Uh, 35-21, it's not too far off his best time around the 5.75 at Romford. So he's got a decent draw in my opinion. Would he have wanted six? Probably. I think he'll do all right out of five though, Doghouse Dazzler. So he would be the one for me. Lofty? Yeah, tough one, this one. Um, I had a little squeak for Droopy's good time, to be honest. And from Richard Reese from Hover, uh, the dog has been running consistently well. Looked like he, he might have just needed the run, I think, when he got beat by uh, Chelm's greatest in his last run there. And this is a yeah, this is the trickiest heat. This is probably the op most open heat of the lot, I think, to be to be truthfully honest with you. Yeah, no, I thought so. He, yeah, again, Richard Reese with a cup in here with Droopy's latest in the race as well. This, this, uh, this is a tricky heat. I wouldn't be... Surprised to see any of the six dogs win this thing. I think this is the hardest heat on paper to try and sort out. But yeah, Droopy's good time would be a very speculative choice for me here. So Droopy's good time for Lofty, Doghouse Dazzler for me. Are we spread across completely across the map, Joe? <laughs> what says it all about how competitive is? I just thought, <laughs> look, Bonjour Bullet hasn't got Antigua Sugar or, or I Am the Magic in. Uh, uh, up against him today, you know, 13-50 split last time, 35-32 was pretty good. I mean, I do agree with everything you said. Doghouse Dazzler, a brilliant run. Um, group is good time, you know, completely missed a break last time. It, it can happen. So, you know, it could it could happen again. 
but did really well to finish second. So it's very open. Uh, I'm just going to side with Bonjour Bullet in one. So, yeah, spread across the map for the second <laughs> semi-final. Well, what about the third one? Well, we've got Trap 1, Queen Pink, 2, Whiting's New Era, 3, Romeo and Tilt, 4, Stella Bella, 5, Silver Spring Rear, and 6, but Dare was four. I do like bitches over six bends. There's quite a few to choose from in this lineup, but I think Queen Pink is going to go off pretty short for this one, Lofty. Yeah, she will do indeed. Say so an impressive run last time with that. 37, 35.07 on the card, the section of it as well. Romeo and Tilt's one here, I think we could shake about. He's a little bit, he got a very messy race he got involved in last time when he beat Sweet Talker. It was, it was a scrappy event for, for Patrick Janssen's, but did the business there actually okay in that race. But say Queen Pink will be a short enough price here, but I thought Romeo until I don't know. I could never seem to get Rab's dogs right to be honest. They always seem to like <laughs> fly out in early rounds, and then whenever you sort of get with them in the later comp- later stages competitions, they always just seem to go one way for me. Whenever I'm with Rab's dogs, but so you can't knock her run last week. And I would take her on at a short price here with Romeo until in trap three. I'm with Queen Pink, Romeo until for Lofty Joe. Yeah, Romeo on tilt for, for me um, at the likely prices. I mean, as you said, Lofty did well to win the heats last time. Lots of trouble. I actually think the, the free box is interesting here because if he can, you know, it might be slowly away again, but the, the one and the two have got some early, but they could get in a bit of a tangle ahead. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Romeo on tilt can just sit in behind, grab a pitch, and we know he's going to be staying on strongly. So it might might work out here. And uh, yeah, Romeo on tilt f- for me, I think. But interested to see how Queen Pink runs. Certainly is a fascinating competition coming up at Romford on Friday evening. Now let's talk Saturday and let's talk Premier Greyhound Racing Puppy Derby semi-finals, the first of which sees Trap 1, Crossfield Riley, 2 Aero Aaron, 3 Clona Uriel, 4 Brady's Bullet, Five, Slick Saratoga and six, Churchfield Sid. I like Churchfield Sid. think he's got a great draw as well for this lineup. But Brady's bullet, I feel like, is just coming into his own now, this pup. A son of good news, out of early rise, came over here with quite a lofty reputation and uh, or lofty expectations. And I'm hoping Brady's bullet can break as well as he did last week and the week before, actually, as well, and go for the hat trick. What do you think, Lofty? It was certainly need to, yeah. Say, so clocked a flashy time last week. Twenty-seven eighty-seven was the quickest of the uh, of the six heats there last week. This is some competition. This as well. It usually throws up a, a decent goal, as everybody well knows. But this year it looks particularly hot. Um, I would be a Churchfield Sid. I just think with Slick Saratoga, he'll be edging across as well from Track Five, like he was last week. And Brady's Bullet, I think, would be better on the inside. I'll be amazed if Brady's Bullet leads this week, like he did last week. It was a, you know, it was, only, it was a four forty-four section. It wasn't really flying to get to the corner and it was quite a weak heaty one last week to be honest I actually took him on at the price so I thought he was uh, he was worth a lay and I, I knew me fate after about four strides when he popped out of traps <laughs> and was going to make the bend in front unfortunately if he makes the bend in front tonight it'll be the same thing again he's obviously got the beating of uh, Churchfield Sibri just picked him up in the uh, the trial stake here a couple of runs back but no Churchfield Sid for me if he just gets the break and I just think say Brady's bullet might not get the uh, the clear run that he got last time to the corner so Churchfield Sid for me in this thing. Churchfield said for Lofty. Joe? Well, I'm actually on Brady's bullet anti-post, but um, I think it's got a good chance here. Like, I understand about the draw, but he's got the, you know, disrespect, but we, you know, weaker dogs on the inside. Yopi clear. The three might maybe, maybe tricky. Um, but he was drawn in three when he won the puppy open, when he beat Churchfield, Sid, and he he didn't sort of dive for the rail. So I'm, I'm hoping that four won't be too bad. 
Um, and and he picked him up quite nicely in that puppy open. I know it's a different race and different circumstances, but um, you know I'm hoping that Brady's bullet at least will qualify. But um, I think he's got a good chance here. And in semi-final number two, we've got Trap One, Rioja, Joey, two Havana, Top Note, three Havana, All A Go, four Links, Maverick, five Skywalker, Isaac, and six Fearsome Quest. Now we did get a word from Kevin Hutton on our very first podcast, actually, on here on Gone to the Dogs about Rioja, Joey. He's certainly been one to keep on the right side of, but I mean, can we really look past Trap Four, Links, Maverick, Lofty? No, he's, there's a lot of people have been a bit crabby about Lynx Maverick, the way he runs the bends and when he ran the bends at Newcastle. I know Tom Hilbron was a little bit like, you know, people are saying they're not watching the same dog the way he runs the corners. Uh, interesting to see what it does from trap four. So he definitely will make a case of, of going towards the rails. We mentioned Rioja, Joey. I mean, say, I, I know Paul Wood been the owner quite well. I know he thinks the world of this dog. He couldn't done it. He did everything wrong last week. Literally everything wrong. Four miracles to qualify, really. Admittedly beaten, you know, ten and a half lengths, which he was. But he couldn't have done anything more wrong ever. Missed the break. Found trouble at the corner. Found trouble at the back straight. Was all over the show. We'll see a different dog in track one tonight, believe me, or, or a Saturday night, I think, believe me, from this dog. And I won't be surprised to see him run a big race at the prices. Fearsome quest. You know, he's a strong running sort. John Marriott had a really nice uh, dog from a similar sort of breed a few years ago, which went to Mark Wallace, I think, another fearsome dog. Who, uh, actually, back to the Derby, I can't remember his name. I know Mark Dealball at the end, ended up being called Antigua or something, but he certainly knows how to breed a good dog. He looks a real, real, she looks, she rather looks a real strong type. I think her future will be over six bends, but yeah, I'll be interested to see how Rioja Joey runs here. I couldn't, you know, put him up confidently, but I think you'll be a much, you'll see a much different dog come Saturday from Rioja Joey. And if he's a decent price, then he might be worth a little bet, I think. The Rioja Joey, dependent on the price, could run a nice race up the inside. I'd be with Lynx Maverick. Joe? It's a really interesting race, isn't it? I mean, you, you've got Fearsome Quest, who, who stayed on well last time in a bunch finish with Skywalker Isak, who stayed on really well, actually, in that, but hasn't got a great draw here. Um, Droopers Fidget was in that race as well. Obviously, Lynx Maverick, Northern Puppy Derby winner, experienced in comps, and, and that saw him through, but also that, you know, 27.94, I think it was last time out was brilliant but but you know I sort of agree with Lofty as well Rioja Joey you know was free from free at Monmore before last week and everything did go wrong for him and, and I think um, you know we might see a, a different dog this time you know good luck to Kevin he did tell us this is the one competition that's eluded him that he hasn't won he came closest <laughs> with our dog last year runner up with, with annual Sydney um, I hope he can go one better this year but I think I think Rioja Joey could be a, a, a nice price um, but you know I think I don't know about any dog could win it, but there's four with superb chances here. It's a really, really good, good race. I mean, I love the puppy derby and I can't wait to see all three semifinals uh, on Saturday night. And the third one sees trap one, white clover, two droopies fidget, three Malags Calvin, four Coolio gold, five Lynx top gun and six untold Zlotty. And my vote would be for droopies fidget here for Nathan Hunt, who was second uh, last week in the heat, just missed the break last time, but has got scintillating early pace if she does get out of the boxes. She's also got a decent time around here in the past as well. She has broken the 28-second mark, and I think Droopy's Fidget, if she's back on song out of the boxes, could hopefully run a nice race once again, and uh, she might be bigger than 8 to 11 that she was last week. What do you reckon, Lofty? Yeah, she'll certainly need to break again. I must have been. Got, one thing I got right last week was laying her. She hit the front and she near the line, then just got caught, caught close home, but she won't be able to afford to do that again tonight. She'd have to stay on Saturday, she'll have to smash out the boxes and, and go clear. And that'll be difficult with 
two early pace dogs outsider in Malog's Calvin and, and Coolio Gold. I was actually quite impressed with Coolio Gold last week. Uh, he'll get my vote here for Maxine Locke from Romford. So she had a nice turn of early foot and, and kept up the gallop well. 28.08, the track was getting a little bit slower, I think, as well, later in the evening. So that time stood pretty good stead. So it'll be Coolio Gold for me. I'll be more than happy to take on Droopy's Fidget again. I'll give a word to White Clover, too, in track one. He's a, a much nicer dog, I think, than the uh, the run he showed last week as well. Another dog for, uh, for Tom Hilburn up there in Newcastle. But no, Coolio Gold will get my vote here in track four. Coolio Gold with an eye on White Clover in the third semi-final for Lofty. I'm with Droopy's Fidget. Joe? Yeah, same Coolio Gold. I think um, actually quite weak in the market last week. I don't know why, but um, one wow was was well on top of the re-opposing uh, Mallog's Calvin here. Um, you know, obviously everyone's got that Droopy's Fidget sub-28 second run in their mind. Um, but I thought, you know, Coolio Gold's probably going to go off a, a decent price, should improve from last week um, and is interesting. And yeah, again, White Clover, fourth in the Northern Poppy Derby final, did beat Lynx Maverick in a in a trial as well. I mean, you can't read too much into that, but clearly, clearly a good greyhound. Um, so, so has got a good chance, but Coolio Gold for me. So that is everything over the weekend. I'm just going to give a token mention to the BGBF British Breeders Stakes that I called the heats of on Monday at Nottingham because Romeo Command has now made it seven from seven. I'm just looking at best odds on odds checker, two to one on for taking the race and he's got two more rounds to go. So he absolutely blasted past Sina Otis uh, like he was stood still and it's one of those things as a commentator it's just one of the best things to do is call the best dogs in the country and romeo command he's really stamped his authority i mean to go past the reigning champion like he did was unbelievable and he went only seven spots off the um track record which was actually recorded in the derby when they staged it a couple of years ago so romeo command he's going to be ridiculously short on monday but i just can't wait to see him again and I'm really, really hoping that he can maintain his unbeaten record because he's one special, special hound. Uh, did you catch the races on Monday, Lofty? I didn't, but I've seen the dog at Toaster, obviously, in the the, uh, the ill-fated English puppy derby there, and he was showing all sorts of speed in that. Um, Toaster, I think, might suit him. He's obviously a big galloping dog. I know Blake Furmage thinks the world of him. He's actually betting for the uh, for the English derby as well. So, you know, I know high esteem he holds the dog in. Obviously, had won it the last year with Romeo Magico. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's a serious dog over these British bred races are made for him, really. But I think when he takes on the big boys and the, the Irish come over, come Toaster in June and July, I think he'll still be a big runner in the derby there. He's say, got quite a lot of hallmarks of Romeo Magico. Magico may be a little bit more early pace than him, but. He's certainly a strong one of this fella, and yeah, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. And yeah, he's one of the most exciting dogs I've seen in in the UK, along with from post to pillar. You know, just those mm. two alone should make it make it a derby worth saving this year. I think at Toaster, even if the Irish don't come in their numbers like they they may not like they have done before. And you know what would be really really cool if they did a match race from post to pillar and Romeo Command. How cool would that um, be? Oh. Match 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 races are the most underrated thing. Mazer don't know as many match races they do. They should yeah, the match races would certainly get people in tracks, I think, and a lot more interest with with the purists as well. And certain tracks obviously would suit certain dogs more. And yeah, certainly I'd be interested to see match races uh, a lot of tracks like I did in the old days, maybe in Oldland, both you and uh, Joe Danny of the I remember match race a little bit more, but like, yeah, it would certainly be something to um to get people talking match races, definitely. And how would you price that one up, Lofty? Oh, it depends where it was. Um, I don't know. 
I've, from post, we're from post to pin around at Oxford. I was bang against it when it first ran that puppy competition at the racing post spot. So I thought he'll actually yard her early. Um, in the final, he walked out of traps and then just swooped around the outside with his back straight pace. And then, you know, it was tremendous. And when you see him around home when he was leading up, it was like, well, it's a different dog. So it'd be interesting. I would probably make, if it was somewhere like Hove I'll, over, if it was Hove over the 500 or the 515, I'd probably make him post to pin a favourite just. Here we go. That's a bit of a, but you could, you know, <laughs> controversial opinion maybe. But I think that is it. Also, Lofty, do have you had any bets or have you got anybody in mind at the moment as it stands for the derby in a couple of months? I time? haven't. No, I usually if something anti-post, um, I'll wait and see what comes over from Ireland if anything does come over there or, or what trials around there. But at the moment, no, nothing at all for the derby. I'll watch a few trial stakes and might even watch a round actually this year before. I've, before I get involved, if I do get involved, but I'll be standing there anyway. So I dare say there'll be something to take my heat, maybe something in the heat. So I found a 51 winner a couple of years ago in the heat and still live off that, I think. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll wait and see. God, not you as well. We've got a salad dodger and then this 50 to 1 heat winner we're no, going to keep hearing about now. Duella, Duella Prince in the heat a uh, couple of years, a couple of years ago. <laughs> I, I put it up in the morning at 50 to 1 and it shouldn't have been a 50 poke. And I think it won at about 12s. But yeah, that was my uh, that was my claim to fame. I'm still donging out off of that. Yeah, you made it a 40 to 1 shot. I had, yeah, I, had, I, went, I had the racing blogger coming up to me at Ascot, Royal Ascot. I can't believe for the 51 winner up. It was like, oh, okay, please, yeah. It won the, won the, it won the fours on shot like you put up, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> to be fair, I'm still dining out, as you say, on Salad Dodger. 125 to 1, I put it up anti-post, and then it won at 20 to 1 on the, on the night as well. I was like, that's it, I'll retire. <laughs> that was about two years into my career, so, yeah, fair I've play. not done anything since. <laughs> I was going to say, Martin, is there anything before we go that you fancy? Anything else this weekend or, or coming up? Not a lot. Obviously, we've got the uh, the marathon, the Cat Run Marathon at Oxford, where I spend my Friday nights uh, making the book go on the rails. Uh, good heat. I mean, Space Jet, I didn't think it was going to run in it originally, but I see she has, uh, has made an appearance there. It's, that's, uh, she's in the, the stronger heat of the two. Um, you know, she'll take all the beating, I think, over that in the, in the final, in the, uh, the final she qualifies next week, the first three qualify. Interesting dog I thought there was in the other heat was a dog of Tom Levers called Bombay Zorba. Um, she's out of that beach grove barely with the marathon bitch and all the little stay. She uh, did a lot of running last week late on over the 650 and looks like she w- might want a proper a proper eight bend trip which she's got here and she's got Droopy's Jungle to beat or certainly be favourite in that heat but I thought she could be of interest in the, uh, the second heat there with the, the Galaxy at Oxford on the Friday night. I think she's 8.43 race but at a price, I might be interested in backing her. But yeah, it's a good little, good little competition actually. It's only twelve runners, ten grand uh, star sports to put up, and it's it's you know it's got a fair field actually. Didn't feel to its full capacity of twenty four runners. They put it back a week, and they've got twelve runners now. But yeah, it should be an interesting final, even though um space jet obviously will be very short. I think to over the two runs, but looking forward to that. Yeah, and get, one... get hold of some get hold of some stay some stayers and marathon dogs, isn't it? Because these these prizes are big and they're not that competitive at the moment. That, exactly, they've had two their last two weeks. You say, you know, uh, Mahik and Tara won last week. You know, six about six weeks ago, ten grand prize. I mean, for for two rounds, and you know, fair play to them. Twenty five to one she was when she beat Space Jet, and you know, a Swindon grader in the air. The money's there. The Irish don't tend to want the the staying dogs, and uh, you know, you can bring them over here, and there's some real good prize money over in the marathons. I think one you need to keep an eye on as well. She is in Space Jet's uh, heat on Friday, but Untold Rupee was really, mm. really impressive at Toaster on her first go um, over staying trips. I think she's got quite a big future, I would say. 
Yeah, that was her first run for six months as well. It's like mm. steps straight up into the trip without having a trial around there. I know um, Carol and Darren have certainly been, you know, they wouldn't, wouldn't tilt at Wimbledon so I didn't think the dog had a squeak there. She would certainly make the run in there, you'd have thought, Beach Baby overturned the odds last week on Droopy's Jungle. She got off the front. She won't be getting off the front there. You're pretty much sure that I'm told Droopy will get off the front. Yeah, she'll give, she'll certainly give Space Jet something to chase, definitely. But a cracking contest coming up at Oxford on Friday as well, Joe. And can I just say, we've got annual Sydney is finally going back to Monmo on Saturday. There's a little cat, cat free competition uh, that he's taking part in. We've got um, Hortfield Ozark in our heat, but um, I'm hoping he can qualify first two and, and make another another final. And it, I, I'm not joking. I mean, he has been so unlucky lately. He really does deserve, a, um, you know, a, a win and a, a little bit of success. So thing, fingers crossed for him. Well, I won't put my pound on him then, Joe, because he doesn't need the the weight of, of my pound <laughs> on his back as well. But good luck. I hope you, you as well. Uh, right, Lofty, thank you very much. And hopefully you've picked some winners, because if you haven't, you won't be back on the show. Right, thanks, Danny. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, cheers, Jack. Cheers, Lofty. Thanks, mate. Take care. No problem, mate. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Off we go. Um... I'm just trying to think about to end it. Oh my God. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Gone to the Dogs, released every other Friday. For more info or to reach out on Twitter, follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.